0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Banking on Innovation podcast, where we bring you industry leaders that are driving customer-centric change. I'm very pleased in this episode to welcome Ken Meyer, who's the Chief Information and Experience Officer at Truist. Ken brings a combination of being a savvy technologist along with a real driver of innovation so we're very pleased to have you on the Banking on Innovation podcast, Ken. Thanks for having me, Jody. Now, as as, a, as our little fun fact, and it is a fun fact, because you were gracious enough to, to join us at our executive advisory board at Ponte Vedra, Florida, where we had the chance to play TPC Sawgrass. So I'm just wondering, with the recent Players' Championship, did that bring a different perspective to you? Saying, look, I can hit that shot and those guys can't? Well, I think I played probably one of the worst rounds of my life that
1: day. Um, so I definitely have an appreciation for that course. But uh, but uh, just a phenomenal, NU, you and and obviously it was a great event this past weekend. So would love to get back and try to redeem myself after that last experience. <laughs> it does it does bring you like an appreciation though for uh, you know for professionals. So, There's a reason why um, yeah. I am a banker and a technologist,
0: <laughs> not a professional golfer. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, I'm sure they appreciate your technology skills just as much as we appreciate their golf skills. One would hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ken, just coming back to your your background and experience, sure. you've got this somewhat unique background, kind of twin background in consulting and technology, and yet. There's a common thread of customer innovation in in all of your roles. How did you first embrace kind of an innovation mindset and how has it stayed with you as you've evolved from consulting um, to now in this merged entity at Truist?
1: Yeah, well, um, first what's interesting is that um, I am not an engineer by trade at all. Uh, so I'm very much a, more of a self-taught technologist maybe than anything else. Um, but when I go back in time and I think about you know, the the different points in my career and the pivots, you know, I've always been really kind of driven and fascinated in my, my personal purpose around making an impact. Uh, and what I realized pretty quickly is that there's no better way to make an impact on clients, um, regardless of what who, who was my client in my consulting days or now the different types of clients that we serve across Truist. Um, But you can't really make a bigger impact than merging kind of the technology that is available to us with the experiences that ultimately, you know, we have at our disposal to serve our clients. And that mix has always been something that's fascinated me. um, And it's been something that really kind of drove uh, my focus on making sure that we can really translate what the technical capabilities are and pull forward, you know, the actual impact to clients. And so regardless of whatever chair I sat in, that was always pretty clear to me. Um, and regardless of whatever area I was happened to be in, there was always a little bit of a technical flair even before I became
0: a CIO. Yeah, well, it seems that mindset has really served you well. and And perhaps because of this background in both tech and the focus on customer experience, innovating around the experience, you played a central role in the largest bank merger in 20 years, forming Truist. So most people are aware or at least can find out about the public goals, financial goals um, around the merger. What can you share perhaps about some of the goals that weren't so apparent to the analyst community? Well, I, I think,
1: you know, we were pretty um, open about the fact that we needed to do this for something. And we talked about a lot of our T3 initiatives around tech and touch equaling trust. And, you know, while we kind of talked about it briefly, the analyst community largely wanted to focus on things like cost takeouts and synergies and opportunities and growth areas around revenue synergies and, and all of the great businesses. But you know, we really felt like if we worked backwards from what our clients really needed, and as we think about the evolution of touch in today's world, you know, it's not hand-to-hand combat and branches all the time necessarily anymore, right? Those are still really important touch points, and we want to make sure that we create moments that matter with our clients and those physical, you know, assisted channels. Um, but we can leverage technology differently to kind of redefine what touch means using technology. Uh, And we really felt like this was an opportunity for us as we came together as one company to drive better client experiences for our clients and prospects. And so you know, it's easy in a merger um, to say, hey, we've got system A and we've got system B. Which one do we want to pick? Because one of them's going to eat the other one and we're going to get some synergies and savings. And that's how most traditional mergers would have gone Uh, and in some cases for us we said you know what system a and system b are not acceptable and we need to think about option c uh, which was how do we leverage this opportunity that we had to really transform the client experience as well as the technology that underpinned it Um, so in some cases we were able to build new capabilities and new experiences on modern technology um, to bring a different level of experience to our client, but also create the chassis or the foundation for the future of the bank, uh, which allows us to move faster. It allows us to bring more features and more rich experiences into the hands of our clients in a, in a timely manner.
0: So I know they, um, you know there's much more to do, and the, uh, the, the brand promise around Truist is is materializing and uh and we hope that it'll be very successful but what a fascinating experience going through this this merger any any learnings you'd like to share yeah jody
1: I, i mean i think um don't underestimate what the current world and the the current technology capabilities can bring to the table right and as i said um a lot of times you know your your logic and reason might say uh hey it's probably easier and faster or cheaper to kind of pick one or the other when you're doing these mergers. Um, but it, you know, that it would be necessarily to create all new experiences and build new greenfield type experiences. And I think what, what you might be surprised is that today's technology is a little bit different, right? And that you're, you're able to move with more speed and agility and automation and, And those capabilities really are an accelerator in a lot of ways to be able to get to those experiences. So yeah, I think the biggest learning from us was very much, you know, maybe, maybe there was more to do. Maybe we could have actually leaned in a little bit more on the, the transformation side, even though, you know, we feel really good about what we've done in a lot of different areas. Um, but I think that's always an opportunity is to continue to push. Uh, for that modernization, because you'd be surprised um, what it could actually do for you. And it may not be longer, and it may not be more expensive, and it may not be more difficult than actually doing some of those integrations and conversions from existing platforms.
0: Ken, Truist is such an interesting case, because it's really the birth of of a new brand, but one that's done at scale, not a new challenger brand. How would you articulate not just the brand promise, but also the role that personalized experiences and personalization play as part of that promise?
1: Well, I think our brand promise is directly linked to our purpose, mission, and values, first and foremost, right? So um, when we talk about building better lives and communities, I mean, we mean that, right? And you can't do that unless you really understand your clients, you're building you know, bespoke and really unique uh, experiences of bringing that to the table to help them however they need help. Um, and, you know, I think the other component of our brand promise is, you know, we want to lead with care. Um, there's a lot of things out there today that are scary for our clients. Um, you know, it's it's not an easy environment. And, you know, when you can build care, uh, into your experiences and really thinking about you know, how to be there for your clients, regardless of channel, regardless of product they have or service, but always start you know from client and lead with care. Uh, I think you can create that new form of trust that we're trying to come up with when it comes to this T3 concept that I mentioned earlier. Um, and banking was built on trust to begin with. And that's hard in today's world, right? I mean, that that concept is not an easy concept to continue to kind of lean on all the time. So, I think we have a a unique opportunity with this new brand um, to really build it up, right? You don't have all the old tapes. We're we're new brand. We've got new experiences. We continue to launch new products and new experiences. Um, so it's an opportunity, you know, for us to really make it what we what we really want, help deliver on our overall purpose to our
0: clients. That's great. You know, one of the more, let's say, challenging acts to juggle is this balance between executing flawlessly in an operational activity as part of the merger, and yet incorporating some proof points that'll really define the next generation of innovation and capabilities that a merged entity can bring what did Truist use to bring forward these proof points to demonstrate the innovative capabilities of the combined entity? Well,
1: I think, um, you yeah, know, there were a number of things that that we did when it came to building some of those new experiences, but not only the the what we built, but how we did it. Um, you yeah, know, we, if you think about the all of the mergers that have happened prior to our merger, very few of them were in what I would consider the digital age, right? So you didn't worry about, well, what are we going to do for mobile banking and online banking and all that? Because I mean, the iPhone came out in 2008, I believe, Jenny, right? So a lot of those mergers happened before the last, you know, financial crisis um, or, or you know, really early 2000s was really kind of the peak of a lot of those mergers. So the reality was that there weren't those types of experiences that many had to figure out. So we were ultimately writing our own playbook um, in a lot of ways. And then to say, wait a minute, we're gonna build a new experience. Well, how do you migrate clients to those experiences in a really agile way? Um, You know, we, we put together an architecture that allowed us to deploy a brand new set of experiences with all new features, functionality, you know, a lot of rich content for the clients, but we did it prior to actually executing on the actual conversion itself. Um, so again, amazing what you can do, leveraging today's modern capabilities and architecture, uh, and technologies, you know, to really bring something to life. And not only did we do largely, the largest bank conversion in the digital age or in the last 20 plus years, um, we did something that's never been done before, which bringing new experiences together while basically riding the back ends of both existing companies, which was great. Um, An additional thing, leveraging technology, during one of our biggest conversion events, we were able to keep our channels up and not have to bring our digital channels down during the conversion activity itself. So historically, a lot of folks would, you know, you got this time, you cut off, you do the conversion, we bring all the channels back up. Um, We never had to go down during our biggest conversion event uh, because we were able to leverage architecture and technology differently. And, um, you know, those are the types of innovative things that, you know, they don't necessarily they're not in the world of the metaverse and quantum computing and, you know, all of that fun. But. Those are innovative solutions that ultimately lead to an innovative client experience um, during a challenging time, right? And so I think we've shown that we can not only bring great experiences to the table, but we can solve
0: challenges using innovative approaches and innovative technology. Yeah. Yeah. It was really great uh, balance of execution, but also delivering new sources of innovation as well. So if we zoom out, Ken, we're in a Pretty challenging and fascinating environment right now. We've yeah. Got rising interest rate environment. We've got um, uh, some banks are held back by legacy technology stacks. There's greater competition, greater transparency. We're, we're undergoing kind of a battle for deposits as well in some ways. Open banking is starting to, to gain some traction as well. That'll put even more control in the hands of customers. And as you know, at Personetics, we really believe that, that data-driven personalization, understanding your customers, delivering personalized interactions, will be central to how banks can compete. And you've talked about leveraging intelligence and insights to put clients in control of their future. How is Truist doing this? And what are the impacts both for clients and for the bank?
1: Yeah, so I, I think, um... Data is basically the lifeblood of, of any business these days, it feels like. And those that win understand how to leverage the data, not necessarily just for their own gain, but really what where it differentiates is when you can leverage the data to help your clients gain that insight into their own financial well being in our industry, right? And how do we also uh, engage our teammates? to be able to to give the teammates the knowledge to then educate and help and provide that level of care that I mentioned earlier to to clients as well. And so, you know, there's a lot of different things on when we think about intelligence. I don't just think about intelligence as AI and ML models and how do you apply those things, right? Intelligence um, really is at every part of the technology stack and intelligence is also how do you process and handle different you know, journeys or different experiences throughout a client journey that they may come along for the ride with us. And so intelligence could mean automation, right? It could literally mean automating processes that our teammates uh, ultimately would manually go through, and we do a lot of that. Uh, intelligence also um, could be providing insights directly to our existing clients, which is something that you guys help us with. And providing not just insights, but insights that ultimately lead to action, right? Where they're actually taking that insight and turning it into a call to action to help them better their financial well-being, continue to you know to to make a positive impact on their lives. Uh, It could also mean providing you know next best actions and insights to our bankers and to our teammates that are supporting those clients, whether it be in a care center or in a branch uh, or a relationship-based banker or advisor. Um, so we do a lot of that as well. We're wanting to make sure that we're understanding uh, the different needs of clients, leveraging you know uh, other data elements and things that we can kind of stitch together to try to predict what you might need next as well or what you're looking for based on other data parameters and, and interesting facts about you and who you are and what you need. So there's a lot of different use cases um, and a lot of different ways that we're trying to bring that to the forefront, but uh, but I think we've only scratched the surface, right? I mean, we've got new channels, um, like a lot of our voice-related channels, and we've put in new platforms recently into our care centers uh, that we can also take data around things like voice analytics, sentiment analysis, and and other things to help not only, you know, coach. Uh, the teammate that's providing the support to the, to the client, but really kind of try to understand what it is that they're dealing with and what, how we can help them best. Um, But, so there's, you know, I could probably talk about this, Jody, for the rest of the time that we have together, (laughs) but, uh, but this is important, right? And it's important to
0: create those personalized experiences for all of our clients. You know, there's so much in what you said. I want to unpack a couple of things. Sure. One is you talked about not just delivering insights, but, Delivering advice or action. And you know, my my personal belief here is that when you allow a bank like Truist to engage a customer on an issue proactively, let's say they may have excess liquidity in their checking account, or the sure. opposite, that they may have a cash flow crunch, it can unlock the creativity of the institution to help that customer, not just make you aware of something, but based on what we know about you based on our intelligence as a bank. What action should you take now to put yourself in a better situation? I wonder if you could just talk more about that in terms of how how you think Truist is kind of moving to that next step, which is helping guide customers to take action. Yeah, I think, um, yeah,
1: you know, when you think about the Truist value prop and the different things that we can bring to the table for clients. So whether you're, you know, Regardless of client segment, we've got all of the products and capabilities that you'd want from a retail and small business perspective. We've got treasury products and payment type you know, products for for small businesses and commercial clients. We have investment banking uh, products. We have insurance products. You have all of these different products, Right, but you don't win by going to market with a product strategy, right? You win with going with a client strategy. And this concept that we talk about an integrated relationship management, if I can understand you as the client better and we can take those insights and we can say, you know, Jody, you have a small business and you're running into a liquidity problem or you, you yeah, to your point, you have excess liquidity. How do we best put it to work? How can we, how can we provide potential relief before it's ever needed? How can we give you the peace of mind that you're going to be okay uh, and that you're going to be able to make your payroll and that you're going to be able to do the things that you need to do to make it out the other side of a challenging time? Or even better, when business is great, how do we set you up for generational wealth to come, right? Because you want to expand beyond what you currently do. That's where creating you know insights for all of our different bankers and advisors and you know, all of the different folks that we have that we want to ultimately, you know, aim at our clients and say, we really need you to take care of the client, right? Whatever it takes. And that's, that's how we think about it, right? I mean, that's how we're trying to approach it. Whether it's digital self-service actions or whether it's assisted actions or advisory based actions, how do we make sure that we get the data in the hands of everyone to help our clients, And that's kind of how we think about that whole ecosystem, if you would, and how to best leverage the the information that we have.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things that we're so excited about, and I know this is part of Truist's approach as well, which is, you know, to acknowledge that machine learning models and intelligence is not just about the digital channel. As you said, it's about bringing intelligence to your entire institution. And one of the things that, Let's say the attributes that we think this can unlock is taking the intelligence of the institution, which may largely be captured in the digital interactions and combining it with the empathy delivered by the banker. So now that empathy can be delivered in a very informed, in a very informed and learned way about that customer and what can really make a difference. But some customers respond much better when they're engaged with, you know, an empathetic banker. So that's what we're really excited about. And I think that um, that there's this whole, as you said, we're kind of in the early innings of this, but that could yeah. be a big yeah. unlock for the industry and, and banker effectiveness as well. Well,
1: I would tell you, Jody, I mean, the concept of technology and automation, I mean, we would read for how many years, you know, the robots are gonna take all the jobs and AI is gonna take all the jobs. At the end of the day, there's always a human element, right? Like your clients are always going to be human. I think let's hope so. Right. (laughs) Um, they're not robots, right? They're not, they're not artificial intelligence. They're human beings. And just like anybody else, they have real questions that sometimes they want to be answered by real people. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't take all the, the learnings and all the information and the knowledge that we have with all these great technologies. And, and put them in the hands of those same humans to then interact with those human clients um so we think that you know the more that we can in you know advise and provide those insights not only to clients but to our teammates to support those clients I mean that's a that's a winning proposition because it, it gives them deeper insights into how they can help as well and and I, I think you're absolutely
0: right you know we talked about how what a fascinating and also challenging time this is in the industry and and for the first time in 15 years banks are having to really fight for deposits given its uh its impact on the business as well as the relationship with the customer as well and traditionally i would say that that many banks have used a combination of kind of marketing and incentive programs to be able to win customers through kind of organic growth if you will but I'd like to hear your perspective, with with Truist investing so much around the experience, better understanding customers. How can this these personalized experiences, as well as product innovation, and I know you've done significant product innovation most recently with the Truist One account as well. How right. can some of those capabilities be brought to the forefront and put you in an advantage position to win deposits, as opposed to just incentive marketing?
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, I think anybody can grow deposits, right? You just gotta pay more than everybody else to get them. Um and those are those are usually short term uh gains, right? And those don't always create client relationships. You may get some customers out of it, but when you think about a client and and being able to provide the full service of capabilities and delivering the whole bank to the client, yeah, that's not that's not what we wanna do, right? So When we think about, um, you know, the overall innovation and transformation efforts and how does that help really kind of grow your deposit base, but in a smart way, um, you know, I believe personally that that has to be from the inside out. Uh, You've got to create products that people want. Um, You've got to create differentiated products. And that a lot of that happens with product innovation itself. Um, so the experience is great, but if the product doesn't have any unique flavors, I mean, you mentioned truest one and, and we were able to do some things there, uh, between, yeah, some of the, the no fee components to it, but also with our cash reserve component, being able to provide essentially a helpline, right. When it comes to cash, uh, to existing clients without having to pull credit and do things like that. I mean, those are those are opportunities for us to be there for our clients when they didn't even realize that we could be there for them, right? Not have to go through an arduous process of of lending and all that. I mean, we've created some really unique capabilities. And so, you know, I believe that we're going to have to continue to show product innovation um, and, and bring bespoke products for different clients and different needs to the table. Um, but I also think if you do it, in a vacuum, and you don't connect the experience and the insights, and all of that—you know—is a whole, you know, um, ecosystem, if you would, to deliver the whole thing to the client. But I don't think you win that either, right? I mean, I think you have to be relevant both from an experience perspective as well as a product perspective, uh, and you have to show your ability to kind of move with the times and continue to stay. Uh, relevant from an experience perspective, so um, all of the data is great. All of the insights is great. If you have a bad product to sell, you're probably not going to get the stickiness <laughs> right that you want yeah. with those clients and build those deep relationships. If you have a terrible experience and a great product, you're probably not going to be able to get them to get to the product origination platform, right? Like it's just unfortunately like that's the world that we live in now and frankly that's the experience that clients expect based on all of their other you know daily experiences so um unfortunately i don't think it's an or i think it's an and now
0: yeah well it's a much more fun challenge to take on as well and just to pull on that thread a bit you know the entire industry actually moved forward with Taking pretty dramatic action around fee reduction. and yeah. that's a that's a big step forward, but I wouldn't call it a very creative step, right? I mean, it's challenging from a financial standpoint, economic standpoint, and a policy standpoint. But the client still has the need around cash flow. So sure. now, when you combine the ability to anticipate cash flow issues with a robust product as well that can help um, help alleviate the situation, now that's something very different, remark- markedly different than just reducing the fee. If you really think about it, I mean, we kind of are doing a little bit of
1: that today. So if you're a truest one client and you happen to be digitally engaged with us, you can get those insights around your cash flow and understand what's coming out and if you have a problem that might be coming, you know in short term. And if you need that extra buffer, we're going to be able to provide that extra buffer to you and you can take that next step and that next action to protect yourself, right? So again, it's about how do you deliver the whole, cent, you know, the whole bank and how do you deliver with leveraging a digitally engaged client with those insights and putting those products together in a simple and seamless way that doesn't create unnecessary friction for those clients. When you can do that, you can win right? Like you can deliver an experience that your client's going to remember that you ultimately help them avoid what would probably have been a very unpleasant situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's impressive how much, uh, you and the organization has taken on in terms of delivering uh, more personalized experiences, leveraging insights, building new product. Um, Most institutions don't have the size and scale that Truist has, and it it can seem like a a daunting challenge to leverage data, analytics, cross-channel, product innovation. How would you advise banks that perhaps haven't taken on this journey with the same level of gusto or, um, or urgency? Where do you start? Well, I mean, I think not too long ago, I sat in one
1: of those institutions that we were really concerned about our ability to do it because we didn't have the size or the scale to be able to, to take on all of the pieces and parts that our clients really expect us to take on. And so that was a big driver going all the way back to one of your first questions of why did why did we do this merger to begin with? Um, and that was a huge portion of it, right, it was to be able to create the capacity uh, and the ability to go do those things. But I think, you know, regardless of size and institution, I think it's really important to understand what or what is your priority, right? What is your purpose? What are you, what are your mission and values? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, and be absolutely, um, you know, super laser focused on those priorities. And what, what's interesting is that, um, if if it's not in those priorities, what's almost as important, if not more important than saying what you will do is saying what you won't do. Uh, And it's real easy to try to boil the ocean or take on the entire world all at once. Um, But it's also if you're working backwards from a client perspective and you're understanding what you're trying to accomplish and what the benefit is to the client as well as to the organization and is it aligned with, with your purpose, then I think ultimately you can, you can make a lot of, a lot of headway, uh, towards that goal. But I think, you know, just maniacal focus, right. And intentionality about what, what is the most important thing to accomplish. Um, and if you can do that, then in my personal opinion, regardless of size of institution. I mean, your goals may be different. You may take on more when you've got more scale and capacity, but I still think that you can make a lot of progress regardless
0: of size. So we'd like to help our audience at least peek around the corner. Sure. So I'm interested in your perspective. What do you think that customers will demand from banks and the industry in the next three to five years that perhaps the industry isn't well prepared for?
1: Uh, I will give you my personal perspective. Um, my personal perspective is that everything will be real time and has to be, um, and you know, the days in my mind of batch, anything, uh, is ultimately going to be a thing of the past. And I think at the end of the day, clients need for the immediacy of whether it's getting their money. Uh, depositing money into their accounts paying for things you know from a commerce perspective I mean I think everything will and uh, needs to get to a real-time type of an environment um, because you know the world has just moved past this concept of batches and holds which means that that's going to impact the need to have more security right more better fraud tooling uh, better you know, insights into that data and that information to act immediately uh versus you know being able to have the the time to process everything that we do and when you think about the industry the industry was built on this concept of batch processing right in mainframe technology slow and steady wins the race and in this case i think the race has changed and i think the race to real time is something that uh that You've already started to see with some of the the announcements and focus areas from different you know banks and financial institutions, but I think uh, I think buckle up because we're about to see a, a very different race here coming very soon.
0: Very good. Well, look, if I was to just summarize what uh, all of these useful insights, I'd say that you've uh, you've helped us understand the importance of a few things. One is execution immediacy. Uh, anticipatory insights and kind of proactive advice, and continued innovation on the product to help address customer needs. Jenny, I
1: think I need to take you everywhere with me, so that way you <laughs> can do that after every time I talk. I think it would help the audiences very much, though. So, so, but uh, but yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I
0: think you nailed it right there. That's great. Well, Ken, thank you so much. I really appreciate your insights. You know you bring a really unique perspective with these uh, these twin backgrounds and, I, and uh, I appreciate the way that you're always thinking about innovating on behalf of customer and taking advantage and even kind of let's say pushing technologies, not just accepting kind of the current way of operating either in terms of process or the current technology infrastructure. Yeah, we've got a
1: long way to go, but but we're excited about the future and we're excited about Truth's future as well as our clients. So thanks for having me, Jody.
0: Very good. Thanks, Ken. Thank you for joining another episode of Banking on Innovation. Make sure you subscribe to get future podcast episodes or follow us on Twitter at Personetics or on Personetics.com.